Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast from UBA. My name's Alex and this month I'm joined by our HE advisor, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Alex. Thanks very much for joining us this month. We're going to be having a chat with Kath from our School of Chemistry later on. But first of all, Lucy, you're going to tell us about some new EPQ resources. Yeah, we've been really lucky to be able to develop some EPQ resources alongside our academics to be able to offer EPQ students a really broad range of resources to help them complete their EPQ or extended project qualification. These include a range of different resources, including our webpage. So on our webpage, you can link through to understanding what EPQ is and why we like it so much, as well as some student testimonials about their own experiences of undertaking the EPQ. And then that links across to our resource page, which includes useful videos on a range of different topics, including things like your production log, setting a question, presentation skills and sourcing reliable resources. So these are all available for students. But alongside that, we're really keen for teachers to be able to use these resources too. So around the videos, we've built a range of teachers lesson plans which um, teachers can access by contacting us through schools at uea.ac.uk and we've built those videos alongside some activities to form lesson plans to help teachers build on the EPQ resources and build on the research side of what students have to achieve. That sounds amazing and I think some of those videos are of current students. Yeah, we're really lucky to have students who have taken part and um, sort of given us an idea of what their EPQ experience was like and why it was so important for them to undertake it for the future and for their university programmes. Brilliant. And obviously we're saying EPQ, but um, it's not just EPQs that we're interested in. No, that's absolutely right. So alongside the extended project qualification or EPQ, we also feel these resources, although linked highly to EPQ will be there to benefit any student undertaking an extended project qualification that's assessed. So whether that be the extended essay as part of an IB qualification or perhaps an extended project through an access course, all the resources are there to help you build the skills that you need to undertake these projects like those presentation or bibliography skills that you might need. Absolutely. So those skills, the reason we have pulled all these resources together are that those skills are the ones that we see help students with the transition to university. And we know students that do them tend to go on and succeed at university. So can you tell us a bit, we've got a scholarship link to the projects as well. Yeah. So as you were saying, the university looks really favourably on the EPQ just because it gives students that extra boost. It could be that universities will reduce their offer. So offer a lower grade if um, students have under 
have taken the EPQ. But the reason we look favourably in particular is because of those transferable skills and because we know that students who've undertaken them can succeed further. And in particular for UEA, we like to, I don't know whether we'd say reward it or support it with the Bright Sparks Scholarship. So the Bright Sparks Scholarship is there. It's an offer from UEA to support students who've undertaken the EPQ or some sort of assessed extended project qualification and the way that we like to support these students is if they've achieved an A or an A star in the EPQ or a high grade in another assessed extended project and that sits alongside them achieving their offer from the university so for example BBB then we'd offer the student a scholarship for £3,000. This is over the three years of them studying with us so £1,000 each year. So if students wanted to find out a bit more about that that's the bright spark scholarship and it can be found on our scholarship finder on the web page if students or teachers wanted to take a look at the epq resources how do they find those so the best way to do that is through our web pages by visiting www.uea.ac.uk slash study slash epq and that will link through at the bottom to our resource center and all those videos i've been speaking about nurturing bright futures the Higher Education Advice Podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. This month, we're pleased to be joined by Path Munoth, Senior Lecturer in our School of Chemistry. Hi, Path. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. Can we start by telling us a bit about the School of Study, please? Yeah, of course. So um, the School of Chemistry at UEA is... Um, well, small, medium school. We have uh, about 36 very friendly academics. Uh, we have at the moment about 240 undergraduate students and about 50 postgraduates. And our intake is about 60 to 70 students per year. So, so we actually achieve a very excellent staff-student ratio. And I think this makes the school kind of be like a big family and where you get to know each other quite well, quite quickly, and we help in academic but also personal issues. And in recent years, we've also introduced extra student support teams that are embedded in in the school. We are very proud to hold uh, an Athena Swan Bronze Award as well, and that's for equality and diversity. And and we work very hard in the school to ensure that we have a supportive environment uh, uh, where everyone, staff and students, can feel safe and valued. As for the uh, the courses that we offer, so so we normally offer uh, the BSCs that are three years, and then the integrated masters that for four years. And in in this uh, later one, the programs have the possibility to have a year abroad or a year in industry. We offer the core modules of different types of chemistry, but also many optional modules to choose uh, from, depending on you know the students' interests. So. So they can kind of target their degree to a certain type of chemistry that they like more than, than another or they feel is what they want to do in the future. Um, and we, we have also kind of a chemical physics program and we work very closely with the School of Biological Sciences in the biochemistry programs. Uh, and we also are quite involved in the natural science uh, programs. And something that uh, is worth mentioning is is that all of our courses have the the Royal Society of Chemistry accreditation. One of the the key things or the key strengths about our school, I think, is the the small group teaching and the the amount of lab time that the students get through the degree. 
in particular our finalists, so MCHEMs, but also VSC students. And it's important to, to mention that um, not every university offer the VSC uh, students to do a research project in the lab, and, w and we do. So that, this is quite good for the students because they get to be in the lab doing something completely novel and interacting with actual researchers. In terms of the, the research that we do in the school, uh, considering the kind of the small size of the of the school, uh, I'm very proud to say that we cover pretty much every kind of area of chemistry, from physical chemistry, organic, inorganic synthesis, uh, towards kind of chemical biology. Um, and we were ranked fourth in the UK for research outputs and tenth in the UK out of all of chemistry departments in, in the Research Excellence Framework exercise in 2014. So we're in a very strong position. So when, when our finalists choose the project for the final year research, then they can choose from a, a wide breadth of chemistry that, that we do in the school. And it's a great opportunity to, for them to, to be exposed to the, the research in a real environment where they interact also with uh, postgraduate students and, and postdocs in a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of the, the research that these undergraduate students um, do in the, in the final year project ends up in, in peer-reviewed publications in, in high-impact international journals. And the publications are a very good asset for their CVs when they look for jobs later on. The last thing I, I would like to emphasize is that this year in particular, I mean, we're, we're very kind of proud because we're one of the few schools of chemistry in the country that have managed to open up safely the, the research labs. So because of the pandemic, of course, uh, we, we had a bit of a, a, a lockdown, you know, and, and we stopped uh, doing all kinds of research. But since June, we have reopened the labs and the undergraduate labs as well. They are open and running as close to normal as possible, obviously within the, the safety rules. And um, so, you know, overall, I think all of this contributes to the student satisfactions, we've had a very good results in the in the NSS this year. The school was ranked first nationally for overall student satisfaction, and we've also this year moved up in the league table. So so this year we've moved to 17th in the Guardian league table with a particularly strong score for career prospects. We were ranked first, and then in the Sunday Times as well, we moved to the seventh position from 31st last year. So that's quite a big jump. And, and we were ranked third for teaching uh, quality and fifth for graduate prospects. So, you know, overall, I think uh, our school is a, is a really good place to study. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, often when we're out and about and we're speaking to students, they're trying to make the decision between the MCHEM or the BSc course. Do you have any advice for students trying to make the decision between the two? I would first ask them to think about their future after university because the, the two, so the MCHEM and the BSc course are designed slightly different. So for example, the MCHEM degrees are more designed to train students to continue a career in science, like more in a, in a research lab environment. So for example, pursuing a PhD program or other postgraduate courses. So if, if they're not sure what to do after the degree, or they just want the degree to open up job, jobs opportunities or, you know, for teaching, things like that, I would advise them to go for the BSc program. Because you know, after the three years of the VSC, they should have all the skills 
they need to work either in the chemical industry, the teaching or other sectors. And if they change their mind and then they decide, you know, they start the degree and they, they feel that they want to kind of continue in a more research lab environment, they can change their mind and they can always transfer to the MCHEM or uh, finish the BSc and do a master by research in, a, in, in our or the different uh, institution, depending on the type of chemistry they want to do. So in our school, both programs start, I mean, the first year for both is the same. So if a student starts in the BSc program and they get the appropriate marks, they can transfer to the MCHEM and they are normally invited automatically to transfer if they want to. If they're not sure and they continue in the BSc and they want to transfer in later years, then um, that is possible. But because the MCHEM has a, a more lab-based content, then we need to make sure that they obviously have all the lab experience needed for the MCHEM degree. So then we can do that by a kind of concession. So, so we allow them to do more modules that have more lab hours on top of what they have done already. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. We've spoken over the last few podcasts about the move to blended learning during COVID and you've highlighted the fact that our labs are now reopened. But because chemistry is obviously quite hands-on and a practical subject, can you explain a bit more about how this is working? Yeah, so these are very challenging times and of course for chemistry the lab experience is the key element. No? So, so we in the school and the faculty and the university, we've been wo working really, really hard over the summer and, I mean, even every day uh, to, to come up with a plan in which we can maintain the timetable anchor and the hands-on approach as close to normal, but also making sure that, you know, everyone feels um, safe in these new circumstances. We have adopted the, the blended teaching approach. Uh, so we do the, the main lecture type teaching online, but yeah, we were very adamant that we should ensure that the labs had to be open. And as I mentioned earlier, we managed to open the research labs since since June and, and the teaching labs are now open. So so we're we've designed the, the timetable so so the students get at least two hours of face to face teaching every week. And this could be in, in a small group tutorials or small group teaching that we now do in, in very big rooms to maintain the, the social distance and of course with the masks and, and face visors, uh, but also in the labs. And, and I have to say thanks to the work of the whole faculty and, and technical teams because they have done an amazing job with you know risk assessments and so on. So now we can proudly say that we're uh, one of the few universities that have opened the, the undergraduate labs. Uh, so our students can get the, the practical experience that they need for the, for the chemistry degrees. And this is partially possible because we have a, a new building that uh, just opened last year in, uh, in the autumn for our teaching labs, and they're quite big, so they can accommodate a good number of students keeping the two meters distance. And so we're running the sessions, obviously, as close as normal, but we're splitting the groups. Uh, so, so that means that some experiments have to be repeated several times. And we have reduced slightly the amount of hours that they spend in the lab, but we've complemented this with recorded experiments. So they have the demonstration of good laboratory techniques in the lab. And both the, the practical hands-on sessions and the virtual labs are supported by stimulation to the techniques. So the students can practice and learn the technique before coming to the lab. So when they come to the lab, they can make the most of the, of the time there. 
We have provided staff and students with face visors so they can interact sometimes, you know, when, when you're explaining an, uh, something in the lab, you have to get a bit closer than this two meters or, or even one meter. So, so we're both protected to minimize the risk of COVID uh, transmission. The lab occupancy is being uh, monitored very closely to maintain social distance and when required we organize shifts or rota uh, to maintain uh, that occupancy to the safe levels. And in the small group teaching labs, the staff also wears the face visors instead of the mask, so the students can read our lips or we can project our voice a bit better than, than with the masks that seem to be a bit difficult to speak sometimes and to get your voice out. So, so we have a system in place and of course, I mean, we would like the next year to go back to normal, but it's looking like it might not be. So, so we need to keep evaluating the, the safety measures. We keep uh, asking feedback to the students and we keep changing them or modifying them accordingly, depending on the feedback that we get from them. And the university experience will continue as normal as possible under these circumstances. Thank you so much for putting all those all those things in place and that reassurance in place for our students. Lastly, um, most of us will be familiar with chemistry as a subject, but it may be less obvious the types of jobs a chemistry degree could lead to. Could you sort of talk us through where our graduates tend to go? Yeah, so I mean, the obvious skills are the, the practical laboratory skills and the, the chemistry knowledge, but obviously that's not all they get. So with the chemistry degrees, the students get a very broad set of skills from mathematical and numerical abilities and, and lots of trans transferable skills like problem solving, time management, organization, teamwork. Uh, presentation skills, IT and instrumentations. So, so actually chemistry students are very employable, not only in the chemical industry, but in many other sectors. And we also have the employability moments in our lectures. So while we're delivering the chemistry content, we, we do take the opportunity to highlight how the concepts or reactions that we're covering in lectures can be applied to industrial processes or point out the transferable skills that the students can get with the specific exercises. And according to recent data, about 90% of our students are in work or further studies after six months after graduation. So many of them choose to work in the chemical or pharmaceutical industry as technicians or research leaders, which is, as you said, kind of the most obvious choices. But um, you would not believe the range of jobs that they can get. So from computing, because as I said, of the mathematicals and the numerical skills, uh, accountancy, a lot of them go to accountancy and, and banking or, or even insurance companies, if you believe it. And one path that it might not be so obvious is also uh, publishing uh, and, for example, patents. So scientific journals need uh, people with a scientific background, obviously, uh, to, to work in the editorial office. And we, we know of students that then have gone to further training as patent lawyers for, again, working in, in, a, in a scientific kind of for scientific inventions and so on. So it's quite a big, a big range. And of course, um, the a portion, a good portion of the students also go for, for teaching training, the, the PGCEs types. Uh, to become um, school teachers and then a lot of them as well um, do further studies in PhDs and postdoc positions towards becoming again uh, academics so, so we have like the, the whole cycle <laughs> uh, 
Um, so it's, it's very broad a range of skills and very broad range of jobs that the, the chemistry degree can get you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to flag that we're running an online chemistry taster lecture with PATH on Wednesday the 9th of December. You can join as a class or send the details to individual students by visiting channeltalent.co.uk for full details. Thank you ever so much, PATH. That's been really interesting and thanks for joining us for our podcast. Okay, thank you very much. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Thanks so much to Lucy and Path for joining us. Just to let you know, we've got some webinars coming up about successful virtual interviews. So if your students for courses such as drama or medicine are preparing for a virtual interview, they are welcome to join these webinars taking place on the 19th of November and the 25th of November. Full details at www.uea.ac.uk forward slash study forward slash webinars. And of course, you as teachers and advisors are also more than welcome to join us. Take care and we'll see you next month. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.